were your final thoughts on Canelo versus Jacobs? And are you looking forward to this Saturday's night of rematches on ESPN or Jarrett Hurd's title defense on Fox? We'll dive into all that and more on this next episode with the Sweet Science Class. All right, what's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us on today's episode. I got Felix and Jakeem standing by, and today we're just going to touch on what we thought about Canelo versus Jacobs. Did we agree with the decision? Touch on any highlight moments of the night, and then dive into the three big fights coming up this Saturday. So, what's up, Felix? What's going on, Dustin? What's going on, Jakeem? Sweet science class. And what's up, Jakeem? What up, what up? How y'all doing? Okay, so... Right now, we're just going to dive in, just all three passing it, kind of freestyle. Felix, you kick it off. What were your thoughts on Canelo versus Jacobs? Did it go as you expected, and did you agree with the decision? Well, it it didn't go as I expected. I kind of felt like Canelo was going to come out a little more aggressive early. Um, He did show, he, he shows power, but I'm not seeing a knockout punch from him like I expected. I guess moving up, well, not moving up. He's been at 160 for a while, but it doesn't seem like he really has any any um, highlights of him knocking anybody out at 160. So the result of the fight, actually, I think center five, Canelo was a little too close for me. I had it eight to four. Um, mind you, Cinco de Mayo is my birthday weekend, so I didn't really score it. I was having a festivity at the house and everything, so... Mind you, my, my judging might be a little off, but I had an eight to four. I think I I pretty much gave Jacobs the first round, and I think there was like a couple of late rounds that he had he had stole, and I think that was more of Canelo kind of. He, it seems like after the ninth to ten, he kind of slowed down a little bit, which kind of seems like the trend of all his fights that go the distance. He seems to, I don't know, he seems to let his opponents back in the fights, and that happened. You know, that happened against Triple G. That happened against, you know, uh, this past weekend, Daniel Jacobs. So, you know, I expect a little more from Jacobs also. I thought he would have been a little little bit more uh, elusive. I think him finding out the southpaw stance, he made him harder to hit. That's what it kind of came off as me. Like, maybe he's fighting southpaw because he's not taking as much punishment. But I felt like his punches weren't as effective. So it's kind of like a pick-your-poison. And... Honestly, I I didn't really like the game plan that Jacobs Porter has. I, I I think the they didn't really bring nothing from the drawing board. But other than that, you know, um, I think Canelo looks sharp. But I think the narrative is, has changed as far as what we think of him as a fighter. You know, I don't view him as this knockout puncher or you know, um, you know, just a killer like you like to say. You know what I mean? That killer instinct. He seems more boxer puncher. I like, you know, like I said, that scene, he seems like he's the Mexican Floyd Mayweather now. He's he's not really taking risks. He's, uh, he's count- I mean, his counters were beautiful. I mean, he was sharp. But it's like, he goes one, two, and he's, he's tucking back in. One, two, tucking back in. Like, he's not taking any risks. He's not throwing any unnecessary punches, which, so, I think it was great. I, not as much as, you know, I expected, but overall, great card, great fight. Go ahead, Jakeem. Okay. Well, first of all, let me start by saying this. I think we need to appreciate greatness while it's in front of us because right now, Canelo, he's the face of boxing and he's in his prime. And I don't think there's, uh, you probably got to go back to Pacquiao 
on the last time we seen something like this. So, let's get to the fight. My, my scorecard, I had a 116 to 112. I know, I think Dustin, Sergio, and Philadelphia, I think we all agree on that one. Um, I think there was one judge that had it 115 to 113, which I don't know what the hell he was looking at. Um, if anybody had, Jake was winning over four rounds. I don't, I don't know what they're looking at. But um, that was my scorecard. Um, one thing I noticed was Jacobs, he only landed 14% of his jabs. So that kind of pretty much told the story. Uh, I think he was real frustrated. You couldn't tell physically by looking at him, but there were some things during the match that showed me he was really getting frustrated because he couldn't hit Canelo. There was one point where they were tied up and they were trying to break loose and he went and swung and hit him in the back of the head and Canelo hit him back. So I think that he was really getting frustrated uh, by Canelo's defense. Um, yeah, I, and I was surprised, like just like uh, Felix, I was surprised Jacobs didn't have a better game plan. To me, Canelo, he outskilled him. He outboxed him, and at some points of the, of the fight, he was walking Jacobs down. And those are all the things that we thought Jacobs was going to do. So it was crazy to see Canelo actually doing all the things that, you know, Jacobs could do. Um, probably the the only bad thing I've seen from Canelo is he got tired as usual. You know, we always see in the later round, Canelo, he, he starts to get tired and starts to wear down. But for the most part, uh, he did what he was supposed to do. Uh, it was a fair decision. No controversy. Uh, no politics. I don't know. Like, I give I give Canelo probably like an A-. minus. On the other hand, Jacobs, he didn't really have a game plan. He couldn't really do what he wanted to do. He kept switching from orthodox southpaw. He just couldn't touch him. I give uh, Jacobs probably like a C. And right now, I really don't see anybody beating Canelo at 160. And you know what's crazy is I felt like Canelo looked better this fight than he did against Triple. Like, I feel like he added a new wrinkle. He looked like he was cutting off the ring really good. And I don't know, man. Canelo might be the slickest fighter in boxing right now. I don't he know. Definitely get, he definitely gets better every fight. Every yeah, fight. I remember he had a problem with cutting off the ring in previous years. And exactly. I don't, I don't think that's a problem anymore. Not at all. I agree. He is truly one of the few fighters that I mean, everyone gets better, you know, to an extent, but he really does, even with 50-plus fights. He gets better yeah. every fight. Yeah. That's what you call student of the game. And he's and only 28. Oh, go ahead. He's still only 28. That's what's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. another thing, I'm seeing a lot of people give Mayweather credit for where Canelo is right now. And I think that's kind of what, you know, let like give a man his own props because Mayweather beat a lot of people. And those people he beat, None of them are on Canelo's level right now, so just get him in his props. That's a true yeah, statement. I, yeah, he did beat a lot of people that aren't doing what Canelo is doing. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, Canelo could have took that loss and went the whole other direction. So, you know, some people handle losses different. Yeah, most people don't handle them well. I mean, he clearly handled it fine. Um, I personally, I also had it one sixteen, one twelve. I gave Jacobs the first round. 
because I felt like Canelo was filling it out, and I thought Jacobs landed enough, and he landed more. So, I mean, I gave him the first, and then I gave him the 10th, 11th, and 12th because I think Canelo started fading towards the end. But I thought two through nine were borderline domination. Like, Canelo, he looked amazing. His upper body movement was insane. Like, I, I mean, I really had no negative things to say about it except the fact at the end that he did seem to tire out so I think the stamina will always be a slight issue I mean he stayed fighting he stayed fighting hard when he had to but he took the foot off the gas a little and I agree with what Felix was saying I don't think he is maybe just me maybe I thought he was this killer maybe the Triple G rematch made me just reinvent him in my head that he was this killer murderer but Triple G just, you know, has a, a ridiculous chin. So part of me, I mean, I said this fight would go 12, but admittedly about halfway through the fight, I could tell that Danny was uncomfortable, and I started to think, you know, if Canelo wants to, he could probably knock him out. And then he just never really did that. He never really went for it. I don't know. That That's really my only complaint with him. He's an amazing fighter, gets better and better. I just wish he had a little bit more of the killer instinct. You know, if you got someone like Angulo or Kirkland or someone walking directly in, or Amir Khan, who's a lot smaller, standing right there in front of you, you know, he'll crush you and get you out of there. But, yeah, he's not, he's just not like, you know, like a Kelly Pavlik at middleweight who would put you out with one or two shots. Um, Jacobs was pretty disappointing. In my head, he was going to, jab, 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 and that was going to be his success. And I think Jakeem said he landed roughly 14%. I mean, that says it all. Canelo's head movement took away his jab, and that pretty much ended his strategy. And what's weird is he was quoted before the fight saying multiple times, I got plans A, B, C, D. He acted like he had backups on backups. And once the jab was nullified, he didn't have a backup. Switching to southpaw wasn't working. His shots were not near as effective he did land one crisp left hook from the southpaw oh, stance. He landed the best punch of the night. That was probably that was, the best punch of the night. And Canelo yeah, that was, ate that like Triple G. <laughs> he was nothing. Yeah, Canelo ate that shit. He's got a jaw. He got a jaw. Let me ask y'all this. Do y'all think, okay, because I even question Canelo's killer instinct. Do you think it's his killer instinct, or do you think his lack of stamina is the reason why he doesn't have the killer instinct? Is he too tired to put his foot on the gas? I think that could be part of it, because up through the seventh round or so, I felt like maybe he kind of was attempting to knock out at some points, because he would lunge in with like a big like Frazier-style left hook here and there. So maybe it, maybe it is just the gas tank, and maybe the drop back down from 168 affected that a little bit too. Yeah, underestimate that. I don't know. I, I think maybe he was just coasting. Like, he knew he knew he had a one because I think he really took a leap, like, in the middle rounds where it was just kind of getting out of hand or he was taking a fight. And I think, like, he was, you know, just kind of coasting, like, waiting to see what Jacobs were doing and maybe count on. So. Well, he gave away the last three rounds and made it much closer than it needed to be if that was the case. So I don't agree with that strategy if that's what he was doing. And before we hop off, before you know, since we're talking about Canelo at 160, I've been telling y'all for a few days. I think there's there's only I think Andrade would give him a good fight, but Canelo, you know, he'd probably figure that out. He'd probably unify all the belts. 
And, you know, Felix and Jakeem have both been saying that really nobody at 160 is going to beat Canelo in the next couple years unless, you know, if Triple G keeps aging, that's probably not going to happen. And I pretty much agree, except I think there's one guy who could throw a monkey wrench in this thing. And But, I, I sadly, I don't think he would ever get the fight. And I just think he is, he's slick enough. He's slick enough to battle it out with Canelo, and he would be a lot bigger naturally. He just recently moved up to the weight class above, but he could easily come back down, and he said he would love this fight. I think Billy Joe Saunders would give Canelo tons of trouble. I think that is a oh, nightmare yeah. stylistically. I agree. I agree with that. He's very awkward. Uh, yeah, I definitely could see that. And he's a big 160. He makes 168 comfortable. He's He looked big compared to David Lemieux. You know, I was thinking, you know, that might be the guy you have, uh, you know, challenging Canelo. But I have this weird feeling that we're not going to get one of the fights that we want come September. Because uh, I do feel like David Lemieux fought on this undercard like he was supposed to. We were going to have a David Lemieux Canelo come September. It was it's it's written, dude. Like this is a big, what a ten eleven fight deal. They're trying to keep it golden boy. So I was like, oh, they're gonna probably put David Lemieux. So I wonder what kind of injury did David David Lemieux have anyway? Y'all know? Um, I don't. I read about it and it's totally slipped my mind. Supposedly, they they said the next couple opponents for Canelo or the next fight would be out of like. Kovalev or Callum Smith or Andrade. I don't know. Yeah. I have a feeling we don't get the trilogy in September. I just have that yeah, feeling. Said he, he wants to move them all the way up to what? Like, like heavyweight. Challenge like heavyweight fighters. And Him versus Kovalev seems insane to me, but who knows? So is that Canelo moving up or they're moving down? Yeah, they want to go to 175, but they keep saying Kovalev. Uh, so I think... They see something in Kovalev and only Kovalev, the same way they moved up to 168 for Fielding. I think they see something at 175 Kovalev that they could expose. But they're not mentioning anybody else at 175 because Zerto Ramirez could meet him anywhere between 168 and 175. That'd be a big Mexican showdown, but Zerto is big. He was damn near a heavyweight in his last fight. Yeah. And he's like 6'2". He's a tall fighter, too. He's tall, and he came into the ring like at 195 or something in his last fight. Yeah, I don't know. Only time with, uh, you know, Golden Boy. They'll, they'll, they can go either way. And they always do the smart thing, it seems. So, Okay, yeah. so we'll move on. Is there any highlights y'all want to touch on from the night? I mean, maybe just Virgil Ortiz had a nice third-round knockout over Mauricio Herrera. <laughs> Jojo Diaz looked good. Jojo yeah, looked good. Was, yeah, um, some, good that rider at 168 looked real good. Third yeah. round knockout. There was a lot of there was a lot of good performances that night. I hope they make the the Diaz and Farmer fight. I hope they make that soon. Me oh, yeah. too. That's a fight. Yeah. That's a beautiful style clash. Okay. So I guess we can move on to the future. We are all gonna we're gonna each tackle one of the three fights coming up this Saturday and just give a you know two three minute little breakdown just kind of because two of them are rematches so it's gonna be an exciting night. 
I guess I'll just go first. Um, I'm going to talk about the Isaac Dogbe versus Emmanuel Navarrete rematch on ESPN. I'm glad that I rewatched the fight today. I, I found it on YouTube, and I hadn't seen it since I'd watched it live. I think it was in December. I believe it was on the Loma Pedraza card. And it was a little closer than I remembered when I was rewatching it today. I, I found, you know, at least four rounds to give Dog Bay. Two of the judges had it eight to four. I think one had it seven to five. And Dog Bay definitely had his moments. His 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 eyes got really swollen up and his face looked horrible at the end. And I think that kind of was imprinted in my head. So it seemed a lot worse, but he had success. He definitely had his moments and he won at least four rounds. And he also had a knockdown that to me looked legit, but they called it a slip. I, I don't fully see how it was a slip and that would have tightened it up a little bit. He still would have lost. I expect a, a pretty similar fight. I mean, there's not a lot that Dog Bay can do different. He, the thing that, that I noticed with Dog Bay is he fights like a big guy. And when he's fighting someone his size, yeah, that'll work. But he's definitely not fighting someone his size. Navarrete is four inches taller and has eight inches of reach on him. I mean, he, he looks like a monster compared to him. And Dog Bay was still really trying for 70 or 80% of the fight to kind of box on the outside, keep him outside. It made no sense because Navarrete could reach out with that 8-inch reach advantage and just poke him. He was just slapping his face all night. Anytime Dog Bay went forward, he had success. And his dad, who trains him, kept telling him, stick him in the chest, stay going forward. And when he did that, he had success. When he was going backwards, no. The height and reach for Navarrete was just pummeling him. So the only way I can see Dog Bay overturning this and reclaiming victory in this rematch, he has to channel Joe Frazier. Because this fight kind of reminded me of Fraser Ali with the massive height and reach distance. Dog Bay has to go forward the whole time, even if that means getting hit. I mean, he got hit in this fight and he got his eyes dotted up, so it's something he's used to. He has to go forward and stay inside him the whole time. Because when he's right up in the rib cage, beating his body, those super long arms are not, they're, they're having trouble connecting with Dog Bay in his very short frame. You know that's that's a that's a lot of arm to reach back around when he's up and tight like him tight with him like that. So all Dog Bay's got to do is press against him the whole time. Body shot, body shot, hooks to the head. He really needs to imitate 122 pound Joe Frazier. If he does that, I honestly think Dog Bay could do. I I really think he could pull this out. In my head leading up to this, I was like, I just don't see how he could win this. When I rewatched the fight today, it gave me a little glimmer of hope. I think Dog Bay can do it, but Navarrete could easily keep doing his thing, and I'm, I'm saying this fight doesn't go 12, someone's knocking the other one out, I think it's going to be too high paced, Dog Bay knows he can't box with him, I think he'll press it a lot this time, which means he's going to get the knockout, or he'll get knocked out, so my prediction is this fight ends within 10, it'll be similar to the last one, maybe even more action packed. I think this one ends 10 or less. Nah, I'm going to say Navarrete 70% chance of winning Dog Bay 30. Uh, I think Dog Bay does have a chance. I just I just don't know if he can pull it off. But if he, like I said, if he channels Joe Frazier, 
you just never know. I'm very excited. Looking forward to that. Now we'll hop into the other ESPN rematch that night that Felix is going to break down, and it's Fernando Vargas versus Miguel Burchill. So take it away, Felix. Fernando Vargas is coming back? No, I was playing. It's Francisco. Francisco. We my got bad. Francisco. My bad. <laughs> I know. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's coming back. All right. No, <laughs> uh, we got a – this is a big-time bout right here. I'm talking about for the super featherweight title of the world, WBC, as a matter of fact. You have Vargas, who's 25-1, but two draws. Mind you, that one loss he has was a uh, TKO, and it was to the man he's going to be fighting this weekend. Burchell. Burchell has a reach advantage of just one inch. It's a pretty even fight as far as size-wise goes, but this is where I give Burchell the advantage. He's 27 years old. Vargas is 34 years old. Burchell's coming off of, he's coming off like a three-knockout streak. And I believe before that, yeah, right after he beat Vargas, he fought uh, Mura, won by unanimous decision. And then he went ahead and uh, he's on a three-knockout streak. He just knocked out uh, Miguel Roman, um, so he's he's on a man he's a man on a mission. Now, as far as their last fight, that was a fight typical Mexican style featherweight bout. Both guys came out opening bells, and it seemed like they were trading punches from the very first round. Um, I think, as far as like, I think one of I, I don't remember. I might have been Vargas got cut pretty early. Um, Matter of fact, I think he also got cut by a headbutt in the third. So, yeah, it was a pretty brutal, bloody fight. Um, both fighters were landing hard through, like, maybe the first half of the fight. But you can tell, like, kind of seventh, eighth round that Vargas was taking more of the punishment. It seemed like Burchell's power was just a little more, and that's probably because of the youth. And uh, I think round seventh, eighth round, you know, he was winning uh, – Burchell was winning on the cards, but like I said, it was still a bloody fight. And uh, I think he he had him hurt like around the ninth round. Could have took him out, but you know Mexicans being Mexicans, man. I mean, you you got to kill them, dude. And, and he he lasted for like another two rounds, and he didn't take him out to the eleventh. So I'm kind of expecting the same kind of fight because both guys are gonna get hit a lot. Both guys are are you know similar style. Both guys like to stay in the pocket, but I feel like the youth is going to prevail. And and I like I like Burchell in the rematch. Matter of fact, he guaranteed that he was going to stop him by the tenth round. And I don't know if he's saying that because he had him hurt in the ninth last time, and maybe he just didn't take him out. So I think he's going to keep his promise, and his guarantee is going to come through. It's going to be done by the ninth, tenth round. Very nice. Very nice. I'm looking forward to that. I, both of those fights are going to be killer. ESPN set up a good, a good little rematch card. That is, it's going to be really exciting. You know, and it, it, it's good because they're they're both rematches, but they're both rematches that were dog fights. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So we're we're in for a treat this Saturday. Yeah, there's no way either one of those fights will be duds, and really, there's no way that this third fight will be a dud. I, I smell a no defense. Butte, Rocky style, but I'll let Jakeem break it down. It's going to be Jarrett Hurd defending his title against Julian Williams on Fox. Take it away, Jakeem. Okay, over on Fox, we have Dustin's favorite promotion, PBC. <laughs> hey, 
I know you love PBC. Uh, that's going to be showcased. Uh, Jared Hurd versus Julian Williams in the main event. Uh, junior middleweight showdown for the IBF and WBA, WBA titles. Um, The 154 division, to me, is, like, really weird. Like, nobody really stands out from the pack. I think they're all neck and neck. Hurd probably has a little advantage because he beat Laura. And, you know, Laura was a guy that people you know, think be Canelo or whatever. So that's a big name to have on your record. But coming into this fight, uh, I think, think it'll be about a 60-40-70-30. Uh, I really don't think Julian Williams, uh, I think that his his conditioning is, is going to play a major role in the fight because I feel like once he gets tired, Hurt is just going to lay over him and throw punches. Like, that's what he likes to do. He likes to be right in your grill, right in the pocket, throwing those short hooks. And I really don't see Williams having enough power to keep Hurt off of him. Because just, like, looking at his resume, like, he doesn't have a lot of big wins on it. Uh, he did, he went, he went the distance with Issei Smith. That's probably about, like, the only the only, you know, respectable name, respectable win that he has on his resume. When he did try to move up uh, and try to contend for a title, Charlo smoked him before, you know, before Charlo went to 160, the bigger Charlo smoked him. So uh, I really don't think Julian Williams has, has the power to to keep Hurd off of him. Uh, Hurd, even though he lacks defense, he does have a 10. So that's an advantage for him. But, yeah, I think it will be, uh, I'll say about eight rounds of him just leaning on Williams, hitting those hooks to the body, and stopping them. That's pretty much kind of what I was predicting. I think even Williams might even win some of the earlier rounds, you know, because Hurd's defense yeah, is the Yeah, because he's more best. technical. Yeah. Probably outbox him. But, exactly. Yeah. But eventually, yeah. it's going to be like, you know, same with Austin Trout. Hurd just, he wears on you. Lara. Yeah, he, he reminds me of a lot of a uh, uh, Margarito. Yeah. He just kind of, he's not winning early rounds, but he keeps coming and keeps coming and he's wearing on you and wearing on you. And kind of like how Fury is in the heavyweight division, not yeah. comparing their style, but just how their size against their opponent, just their size alone wears them down. Yeah. And Hurd's very exciting. I, I like watching him. I mean, <laughs> I wish he had a little more defense. Sometimes it's not the prettiest, yeah. but it's 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 TV friendly stuff. It's good stuff. And both yeah, of these are gets hit way too much. And this is I, I just kind of realized this. This is there's no excuse for anybody not to see any of this. ESPN and Fox. This is all just right there. Nothing crazy. No no apps. No Showtime. This is just regular TV. So it's gonna be a real good night Saturday. But the most important fact of the weekend will actually be a night before all this. This Friday, May 10th, our boy from Midland, Texas, where I'm currently living, Michael Dutchover, will be making his television debut on Showtime. It'll be Friday Night Showbox, triple header. It's going to be some up-and-comers and prospects. And I believe the second of the three fights will be our boy, Michael Dutchover. He was born and raised in Midland. He's currently in California. He's on Thompson Promotions. 
and he is 12 and 0. I believe he's got 10 knockouts. And I mean, we're all rooting for him. Everyone needs to watch that. If he has a stellar performance, I guarantee you're, you're going to be seeing Michael Dutchover's name and hearing it for a while. He's not. I'm not just on his. You know, rooting for him because he's from here. Like, he's legit. He's been boxing since he was six or seven years old, and he's even been on the podcast before. He's going to be a star. He's going to be a star, and I hope this Friday he takes advantage of this Showtime opportunity. Y'all got anything to say about Michael D? Yeah, man. Good luck from the Sweet Science class, man. We've been, uh, you know, he's he was on our first podcast episode, so he kind of kind of popped our cherry, I guess you can say. <laughs> so we're rooting for him, man. So good luck to you. Yeah, we're we're actually very fortunate. He. He was on, like Felix said, our very first episode ever. So when we, we got to come out with a bang just because of having a pro boxer on. So, you know, we're, we're definitely all in the corner of Michael Dutchover. I hope he knocks this dude out in like four rounds or less and has another viral knockout like he did about a year ago. He, you know, he he's going to be there. Y'all are going to be seeing and hearing his name and his face. So we wish all the best to, to him. Looking forward to that fight, the triple, the, the not triple header, but the three big fights on Saturday night. Anything else y'all got to get out before we get out of here? Nah, it's, uh, you know, just um, share our podcast, follow us, hit the like button, and continue the support. Exactly. Yeah, man, just uh, everybody enjoy the fights this weekend. Uh, be active in the group, things like that. Yes, like our page if you do not, join our group if you have not. Please continue to follow and share our podcast. Click the follow button, click the favorite button. I don't know how you know your particular format outlet works, but like us, subscribe to us, whatever it's called, so that you get all the episodes as soon as they're released. We are on Spotify, Twitcher, iTunes, Anchor. We're on most of the outlets, so just, just search for us wherever you listen to your podcast and make us your boxing podcast. So we appreciate y'all listening. And also this Wednesday or Thursday, I will be dropping our other segment, which we'll do every week. And that will be Sergio story time. It'll be the article that he dropped that week. And I'm just going to let him, you know, tell the whole story and give some breakdown behind it, a little knowledge. And then we'll, I'll hop in. I'll you know, I'll quiz him on a couple current things at the end, ask him about Canelo Jacobs and all that. So that'll probably drop Thursday, and then we'll be back next week with more news episodes. And again, Sergio was going to have the weekly podcast. So if you like learning a little history, you know, learning not something from current, you know, we go back 20, 30, 40, 50 years sometimes. So it's a nice history lesson with Sergio, and that will be this Thursday morning. So be on the lookout for that, and see you next time on the Sweet Science Class.